0: So this month we are going to explore a few chapters of The Prophet by Khalil Gibran. Such a beautiful book that he um, spent years on and says in his own words, he said, I poured my life out into this. And he died not too much long after, so that may have been a literal thing, but there's such great wisdom and absolute love in this book. And I read, the lines from it from time to time um, here, and I thought, let's just go into some of these lessons a little deeper. And so um, I'm going to read you from the chapter on love. When love beckons to you, follow him, though his ways are hard and steep. And when his wings enfold you, yield to him, though the sword hidden among his pinions may wound you. And when he speaks to you, believe in him, though his voice may shatter your dreams as the north wind lays waste the garden. For even as love crowns you, so shall he crucify you, even as he is for your growth. So is he for your pruning. Even as he ascends to your height and caresses your tenderest branches that quiver in the sun, so shall he descend to your roots and shake them in their clinging to the earth. Like sheaves of corn, he gathers you unto himself. He threshes you to make you naked. He sifts you free from your husks. He grinds you to whiteness needs you until you are pliant, and then assigns you to his sacred fire that you may become sacred bread for God's sacred feast. All these things shall love do unto you so that you may know the secrets of your heart and in that knowledge become a fragment of life's heart. But if in your fear you would seek only love's peace and love's pleasure, then it is better for you that you cover your nakedness and pass out of love's threshing floor into the seasonless world where you shall laugh, but not all of your laughter, and weep, but not all of your tears." That's just the first half of it, but let's go ahead and unpack some of that. So that's what this song that I just sang was about. Thank you, terror. How how often in your life have you said that to yourself? Thank you, terror. Thank you, this feeling that grabs me by the throat and shakes me. Thank you, disillusionment. Thank you for breaking my dreams in two. Thank you for showing me that what I thought was real was not actually real. Thank you, frailty. Thank you that sometimes I don't have what it takes to make it through by myself, and then I have to reach out for help in order to make it through. Thank you, consequence. Thank you that I get to see the results of my actions often and either rejoice in them or regret them, or hopefully always learn from them and choose differently if I'm not happy with what the consequences are. And thank you, silence, for in the silence is where all of this is found. Prayer and meditation, prayer and meditation. We talk about it a lot, but we can't just talk about it. We have to actually do it because in the silence is where all of that is found. As long as we keep being noisy with our lives in our heads, with our distractions, with our I'm not making any noise, just playing this game, yeah? That is noise, that is distraction that keeps us out of the silence of our own hearts. And why? Because we're kind of scared to go in there, scared to go in there. But thank you, Terror. Thank you for making me scared to go in there and giving me the strength to go in there anyway. And that's really what it means. Love, if love is what we came from and love is what we are and love is what we're going to, where we're going to, which I believe, then there is nothing that is not love. That's really hard to get our human minds around, that there's nothing that is not love. There is nothing that is not either good on the surface or for our good underneath the surface. And if we can remember that, even a little bit, even a couple of times a day, it can transform our lives. It can transform the way that we interact with the world, the way we interact with the world. Gibran says, it will crown you and it will crucify you wow and wasn't that exactly the journey of jesus the christ he was fetid oh lord and master you know things we could never know and he said well not actually true i know these things and if you do what i do you could know them too <laughs> and then when he didn't do what they wanted him to do they crucified him and he said okay if that's what's mine to do That's what's mine to do, because no matter what is done to this body, I do not forget who I am. I do not forget the love that I am. And y'all, that is the greatest satisfaction I have ever found in life, is those moments when things aren't going right and I don't lose who I am. I stand in the truth of me. I don't let myself get dragged down into the mud or dragged off into the terrified place where I run screaming or dragged up into superiority and oh, all those fools down there. Thank God I don't have to be like that. There are all kinds of ways of of getting dragged off. But when we stand in who we are, no better, no worse, but just love, just I'm here. I am. You know, when Moses asked God, "What is your name?" God simply said, "I am that I am." If you give me a name, you're going to start assigning meaning to that name, and then it's going to be a whole thing. Just I am. I am what is. When we stand in our I am, we are standing in love. And we when we are standing in love, then yes, sometimes we are pruned. But we know that as much, I don't know about you, but I have have this pear tree in my front yard and it gives like hundreds of pears. So many pears that one year it broke several of its own branches off from the weight of the pears. And so what I knew was I needed to trim some of those branches even if I was gonna get fewer pears. Otherwise the tree was gonna die and it hurt. It hurt to cut off a branch that had like 15 pear blossoms on this. 15 pears? I don't get. It's also 15 pears I don't have to can. <laughs> but you understand how we go. We grow stronger when the parts of us that are no longer needed are pruned away. Think about the parts of you that you used to maybe even celebrate or wallow in or that you're still holding on to in some Form or fashion that if they were just to be pruned away, you would stand taller and stronger. That's what love does. It threshes you out of your husks, I love that idea, and refines you in the fire and makes you bread, makes you something that nourishes the world. You can nourish the world better when you're not in your husk. People can't eat husks, but they can eat bread. So, I also love that quote from Gibran Gibran when he says that, we will laugh if you choose not to go there, if you choose not to feel your terror, if you choose to continue distracting yourself at every moment, if you choose not to be silent, if you choose not to allow God to be God in you, regardless of what that means, without conditions, then you will still get through this life. And you will laugh, but not all of your laughter. And you will still cry, but not all of your tears. And so what that means to me is that if I don't allow God to be God in me, if I don't allow myself to feel what this world is here to teach me, if I don't allow myself to feel my own inadequacies, if I don't allow myself to feel my own consequences or guilt or glory or kindness, If I don't allow myself, then I live a much poorer life. And I would rather live a rich life that's full than be safe. As safe as you can be, because guess what? The world is not safe. We are safe, but the world is not safe. And so you're going to get hurt anyway. You might as well cooperate with it and grow and learn from it rather than be dragged kicking and screaming and live a richer life. What this says to me when he says, um, be in, um, instead of saying, I have God. Well, let me read this next thing. I haven't read that part yet. So let me read that. <sighs> Love gives not but itself. Love possesses not, nor would it be Possessed for love is sufficient unto love. When you love, you should not say, God is in my heart, but rather I am in the heart of God. And think not you can direct the course of love, for love, if it finds you worthy, directs your course. And love has no desire but to fulfill itself. So what does that mean to not say, I have a little bit of God in my heart? We all have the spark of divinity, That's huge news to most of the people on the planet. They don't know that. And to know that is amazing. But once we know that, are we content with just a spark? When we could actually be in the heart of God. Instead of God is in my heart, I am in the heart of God. I am in the flow of the heart of God. What that means to me, what this all comes to mean to me is that when we are vulnerable, we are more useful. We want, we want to help, we all want to help. If we do not allow ourselves to be vulnerable to the pain, we are not very helpful generally. We become, when we are in the heart of God rather than having a piece of God in our heart, we are a conduit rather than a vessel And to be a vessel for God is a wondrous thing. To carry a spark of God and to share it is great. But vessels get empty when you pour them out. Conduits do not. Be a hose for God. (laughs) Stay hooked up. Stay hooked up. That's the idea here, is that if I am willing to give myself all the way, then I become a conduit of God, of love. And yes, I will still feel pain. And yes, I will still feel terror. And yes, I will still feel frustration and anguish and anger. But I will continually be being washed from the inside out with the love of God so that I can remember who I am, so that the pain, the terror, the anguish, the anger, the frustration and the fear doesn't become who I am. I am fear with a little spark of God trying to help that. Or I am a rushing river of God experiencing stones and rocky places and little eddies where I get stuck. That's living in the heart of God. I want to read you a little bit more. In this story of the prophet, this man is about to leave a land that he's been exiled to for a while, and the villagers all know him as someone with great wisdom, and they say, before you leave, please give us a gift. Give us the gift of your wisdom, and they start asking him questions. So what I read to you before was his answer about love. This is his answer about another kind of love, about marriage, about partnership, even about friendship. Listen to this. You were born together, and together you shall be forevermore. You shall be together when the white wings of death scatter your days, and you shall be together even in the silent memory of God. But let there be spaces in your togetherness, and let the winds of the heavens dance between you. Love one another, but make not a bond of love. Let it rather be a moving sea between the shores of your souls. You see how this works for friendship as well. Basically what he's saying is stop being so codependent. You can love better when you love in freedom and not in bondage. Fill each other's cup but don't drink from just one cup. Give one another of your bread, but don't eat from the same loaf. Sing and dance together and be joyous, but let each of you be alone, even as the strings of a lute are alone, though they quiver with the same music. Give your hearts, but not into each other's keeping, for only the hand of life can contain your hearts. And stand together, but not too close together, for the pillars of a temple stand apart, and the oak tree and the cypress grow not in each other's shadow. In other words, if you give yourself to someone else, you cease to live the own, your own life, your own purpose, your own dreams, your own individuality and we do that we do that in relationships we do it with our parents we do it with our children we do it with our lovers we do it with our spouses we do it with our best friend you have to be my best friend and you have to always agree with me if we're going to be best friends i'm saying this y'all because that's what i did my whole life little army brat moving from school to school town to town constantly it would take me a year to make a friend and then when i made that friend i hung on so tight and she we had to agree on everything. She had to be my everything. If she said, oh, I went and spent the night with Sarah the other night, it'd be like, what? With Sarah? Why? You could have spent the night at my house. Why didn't you invite me? That wasn't even a romantic relationship. That was my need for someone else to validate me because I didn't know. I didn't know my own value. And so I carried that into romantic uh, relationships later. And in order for me to have a successful relationship of any kind, friendship, romantic relationship, even my relationship with my own parents and my own child, I had to learn how to be me, not who they wanted me to be, That's that ever-elusive kudo, that dangling carrot, not who they want me to be or who I perceive that I think that they perceive that they want me to be (laughs) because that doesn't work anyway. But wholly myself and then let the chips fall because not everybody likes my whole self. And that's okay. Then I don't have to dance for them and act like I'm someone else. As that poem, said. I just love that that we, that... um, was that you dance free in the world's play and not the other way around. You understand that this is a play and you get to dance and freedom in it rather than having the world dance on your face. <laughs> ah, 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 what's happening? Close, but not too close. Independent, not enmeshed. Supportive, not directive. We can't tell people what to do. Harmony. Not unison. You get, you know what, you know musically what that means? Two people singing the same note can be beautiful, but two people singing two different notes make a harmonic, which is something that is so much more lovely than a single note. Together, more than the sum of our parts. So we live, we give love space. We give the people that we love space. We give ourselves space to be more than we currently think we are. We give our friends space to be more than we currently think they are. We give our church space. We hold that space in sacred love to be more than it currently is. And then a woman asked him about children. And he says, your children are not your children. They are the sons and daughters of life's longing for itself. They come through you, but not from you. And though they are with you, yet they belong not to you. You may give them your love, but not your thoughts, for they have their own thoughts. Thank you, Aaron. You taught me that very early on. You may house their bodies, but not their souls, for their souls dwell in the house of tomorrow, which you cannot visit even in your dreams. You may strive to be like them, but seek not to make them life like you, for life goes not backward, nor tarries with yesterday. You are the bows from which your children as living arrows are sent forth. The archer sees the mark upon the path of the infinite, and he bends you with his might that his arrows may go swift and far. Let your bending in the archer's hands, let yourself be bent in the hands of God for gladness. For even as God loves the arrow that flies, so loves the bow that is stable. And I know not everybody in here has children. But we all do. Children means the next generation. And I think one of the ills of this country is so many people are like, I want it back the way it was. Well, first of all, the way it was wasn't great. That's just your perception of the way it was. And even if it was great, we can't do that. We cannot take the people living now and make them live in the way people in the past lived. We have to keep moving forward. We have to keep learning from the next generation rather than trying to hold them back with what we believe and what we think. Wow, is that an amazing thought? Listen to your elders. Listen to your children. Space, not ownership. Love lives and moves and breathes. It is not static. And as we grow in love, right, as we, as I talked about last week that Scott Peck's um, definition of love is to extend ourselves for the spiritual good of another. And I would also say to extend our comfort zone for the spiritual good of our own selves. That's love, not making us feel comfortable all the time. Have some more ice cream, you'll feel better for the three seconds that you're eating the ice cream and then you'll feel bad again, so you'll need some more ice cream. But to extend ourselves for the good, to get out of our comfort zone, to not distract when we want to be distracted more than anything, to not run away when we want to run away, to stand our ground and to stand in who we are, in love love lives and moves and as we grow in love we grow love think about that love is infinite and eternal and yet we are here we are here on this earth to learn how to live in love A lot of people, and this is as good a theory as any, believe that yes, God is love, but if there's nothing but love, how do you know what love feels like? It's like a fish in water. Do you think a fish has any idea what water is or what water feels like? The moment you take him out, ah, there's an understanding of what water is. Yikes! Throw him back in and he may never be the same. That's the way I think of us. When we are comfortable, there is nothing to push us to learn more, to grow more, to give more, to love more. And we can grow love. I do believe whether ultimately this planet survives or it does not, and when I say planet survives, I'm talking about the humans on it, the planet will be fine. But whether we survive or not has to do with whether we're willing to give that love. But I do also believe that we are eternal beings. And if if we do not survive on this planet, we survive in some other way. And I just can't help thinking that the way life works, if you don't get the lesson this time, you're just going to keep getting chances to get it. That's the other reason to go ahead and feel your pain now. because you don't get to skip it. (laughs) You can delay it. You can postpone it. You can stockpile it so that one day you open your closet, it comes rolling out at you, but you don't get to skip it. So we get to run the whole gamut of of emotion, not just the sweet and pretty. We get to be open to it. And the last thing I want to share, which is kind of what Khalil Gibran said, but not exactly, is that nice is different from kind. So when we talk about love, we're also we're talking about compassionate, um, compassion and kindness. And to be nice is not always the kindest thing to do. And when I um, use an example from my own life, I'm, I'm in this play right now, which whew, it's exhausting. I haven't done one for several years and I won't do another one for several years. But um, there's this, the the drama on stage is fun. The drama off stage has been a real pain. And that a person did something, said something extremely inappropriate. A person who was in, um, in a position of authority said and did something extremely inappropriate. And what happened, instead of it being addressed as this happened, it was extremely inappropriate, we have talked to the person and it will not happen again, that is the guarantee, can everybody be comfortable with that? That, I think, would have been kind. But everyone was so concerned with being nice that this email went out that there was an incident, There was an incident on Wednesday, and and I know some of you know what that incident is, and perhaps some of you were hurt by that incident, and we understand that there are are people involved in that incident who did things that shouldn't be done, and so we're trying to talk with everybody, to say, everybody be kind, everybody be nice. Guess what? That incident pretty much repeated itself until somebody said, you can't do this. This is what you're doing. This is why you're not allowed to do it. This is who you've hurt. And this is your last chance, basically. That's, it's sometimes very, very difficult to do the kind thing. It's easier and more comfortable for us to do the nice thing, to just cut somebody off, it's like, yeah, I don't think I'll be there. Rather than saying, I won't be there, and here's why. And it doesn't mean I don't love you, but I choose not to expose myself to this. And I will be praying for you. You have my blessings. But I choose not to be present for this because it is hurtful. And as the Dalai Lama said, I'm not just protecting myself when I do that. I'm protecting you because it is not good for your soul to carry on being unkind and possibly completely unaware of it. Or if aware, also, along with the awareness of, I'm not being quite nice, but it looks like I'm going to get away with it, so I'll just keep doing it. Can you see how those things aren't kind? Nice and kind. Contemplate that this week. Love is all of it, not just the pretty things, not just the bows and hearts. So I ask you as we go forward this week, look for the love in all of it. Spend some time in the silence, allowing yourself to experience all of your life, not just some of it. If you need some help, call on a friend. Call on God. That's what love is. Thank you.